0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Future Work, a show that is committed to exploring the most important themes that are influencing the world of work and learning from the very best minds who are building the modern workplace. I'm your host Jonathan Millett and in today's show I'll be speaking with Alex Jewell, head of people and talent at Cutover, where we'll be discussing the current state of the recruitment industry and how the very fabric of recruitment teams are evolving. Cutover are the leader in work orchestration and observability. They are the only platform that provide full organizational visibility into dynamic flows of work, bringing them out of the dark matter of the enterprise to enable teams to move quickly and with confidence. And this episode is brought to you by Haya. Haya are a full-stack talent consultancy who partner with startups to creatively solve their most pressing talent acquisition challenges, from optimizing their employer brand and increasing candidate engagement, to delivering timely and actionable market intelligence, to proactively sourcing passive talent. Haya helped to augment the recruiting performance of a startup and get their brand in front of the people that they want to hire. Visit gohaya.com to learn more. Welcome, Alex. Morning, Jonathan, yep, yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, great, to, uh, great to chat again. We spoke earlier in the year and you gave me some great advice for, for our business, so I was really keen to speak with you and talk about all things that are affecting our world of recruitment at the moment. Um, so, Alex, for, for those who don't know you, um, could you please tell us a bit about yourself and your, your career to date?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as you said, I run the people and talent function at a Series A enterprise software startup here in London called Cutover. Uh, We're focused on work orchestration and observability. Um, I've been in, in talent for the past several years, started my talent career at Dropbox as one of the early hires. That they made in Europe. I was based over in Dublin at the time. Um, stayed there for a, for a good few years, best part of four years, um, as that company grew absolutely massively uh, in the kind of mid 2010s. Then moved into the, the startup world proper. So sort I of spent a bit of time consulting and working in full time permanent roles in talent and people leadership roles at late seed through late series B stage across a, a range of different industries. Um, and uh, and yeah, it's led me to cut over now, and obviously in a very odd period
0: of time that we find ourselves in. Yeah, because you, you you went travelling back end of last year, didn't you? So then you I did. came took back, some,
1: took some good headspace, and uh, and went and saw a bit of the world for six months, which I'm feeling ever grateful for now. Yeah, I'm looking absolutely. at my calendar and thinking, where was I twelve months ago? And I think it would have been Guatemala if I look at the calendar back. 12 months from today, which is wow. bizarre, thinking I'm not allowed out of my house for more than 20 minutes at a time now. So I'm feeling grateful that I took the opportunity when I did. Yeah,
0: perfectly timed trip there um, and a huge difference to, to where we all are now. Don't um, I mean. Yep. So, so so, let's start. Let's, I, I don't want this to just be about COVID. I think we're all COVID out and uh, yes. you know, speculations and so on. So I, I want this to be. Um, uh, you know positive and forward-looking and everything but I guess that, let's get it out of the way like how's the last however long it's been now six seven eight weeks been for, for you and, and cut over um, what changes have you seen both internally within the business and, and your team but also across the industry as a whole
1: yeah. time means nothing anymore does it so who knows how long it's been but uh, however long it's been it's been very odd. Um, I think I feel very lucky. i cut over. We, uh, we had a funding round uh, that we raised in, in late November uh, of last year. So from a cash flow perspective, we've been doing really well um, and, and haven't had to make the very tough decisions that many businesses out there have had to make regarding furloughs, layoffs or otherwise. So I'm feeling very grateful for that. We've, done, we've of course, taken things fully remote. We were already very flexible in the way that we worked. We've got a team here in the uk and a team across in new york plus a bunch of people dotted elsewhere as well so for us it was less of a, of a seismic shift i think we already had all the toolings tooling in place a lot of great uh, great mindset i think already in the team about how to collaborate effectively across time zones with a with a remote driven mentality so it's not been too stressful i think for me, what's been you know, the most interesting thing is looking at the, the challenge of new hire onboarding remotely. Yeah. There's, a, there's been a bunch of new people join the business um, over the course of this past several weeks. I think we're up to maybe 15 people oh, wow. uh, over this past six or seven weeks. And onboarding them fully remotely has been a big challenge because it's, it's a very strange experience for new hires. Many of these folks have come and accepted a job with us not having met any human from cutover ever. And so if we put the shoe on the other foot, you know, it's very important that we all collectively as a business make that extra 20, 25% worth of effort to make them feel welcome and to really think about dialing in the the choreography of the onboarding process. That's where a lot of my team's time has been spent over the course of the last bit of time, making sure that this dozen plus new people that have joined us settle in well are able to, to have a short time to value, which is always what you think about when onboarding new people in a startup. Um, and just making sure that we're, we're trying to maintain a sense of community, that we're there for each other and that we're forcing people, And forcing is a bit of a strong word, but we're, we're at that point now, forcing people to switch off, to take breaks, um, ensuring people are able to feel comfortable switching the computer off, turning Slack off, taking holiday, not feeling as if they're waiting to use their holiday days until some global shift happens.
0: Yeah,
1: Take time now, rest, relax, get yourself well. It's so easy to sit in the same spot for 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 hours a day and then it gets dark and you think, oh God, right? Dinner time, then you go to sleep and you do it again, now, which is no life, to be honest with you. That's been a few things that have been on our mind.
0: What When you mentioned that 25%, additional effort that's been needed. Have there been any new steps that you've introduced? Or is it is it literally just, yeah, we're going above and beyond even what we would normally do in an onboarding scenario? Um, and you, is it that, like BAU plus 10? <laughs> or is it? Yeah, is
1: it- I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, there's been no secret source. I don't have a magic wand that I've waved or a new bit of software that's, you know, everyone's trying to pitch new software to do X, Y, and Z in the fully remote world. To be honest with you, we've used none of it. It's just been a, a sense of, of, of humans trying to do the right thing, being empathetic to the scenario, and us all being honest at company meetings with our existing hires and saying, saying the truth of, like, we've got some new people starting that are going to make an impact of this business, but it's going to be bloody weird for them. So let's please all work together to make them feel welcome. And having that message coming from myself, from our CEO, from team leaders, um, really reinforcing that again and again has has actually yielded a really great response of people. Just being extra diligent and extra kind, I think, is a key word that we often forget in quickly growing startup world. Reaching out to people over Slack, having virtual coffees or beers with folks, um, and not making it feel too choreographed because I think the worst thing you know, it's the same same as kind of big company onboarding in, in business as usual times. Death by PowerPoint is something okay. everyone hates. And so what I don't want to do and what I don't think any company should be trying to do is overly choreograph and manicure that first couple of weeks and having someone's calendar and new hire's calendar completely regimented with, you know, ultimately fraudulent friendliness of people mm-hmm. just being forced into virtual coffees. So for me, what's worked well has been seeing our team really just take the take, the, take the, the bat themselves and go for it and just be able to feel like they can organically reach out to new hires and vice versa and people setting up you know, virtual chats with, with, with each other um, unprompted or at least not prompted in, in too harsh a sense. So I think that's, that's been what's worked for us and um, obviously ask me in six months if we've actually made a success of it but um, by, by the early indications it seems like people have ramped up well people are happy and engaged more or less uh, and we're in a pretty good spot
0: that's really good to hear Uh, i think maybe it's a happy accident and and let me know if you you agree with this ironically even though we've got less human interaction the response has been much more human so i think that big or, or it's a big observation that i've seen is that we've all been thrust into this situation where really no one has the answers so and we've all had to admit that and it's that openness and that transparency we're all level one here trying to work it out and just look after our own businesses our interests our family our health you know no particular order family comes first and of course health but it's almost this rethinking of shaping work around us rather than uh us slotting into work and i think it's however we, we articulate that that's something that I've seen that's come out of this Um, and it sounds like cutover have have rolled with the punches and, and 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 done really well to manage it
1: I agree with you there and I think a lot of the conversations that we've been having with with talent externally in the market I mean we've slowed down our hiring pretty much entirely we've still got a couple of open roles that are high priority roles that we feel that we still want to move forward with but for roles that we haven't been hiring for we're still trying to focus on building our network and our community and having what I would describe as much more organic conversations with mm. people, not having, you know, the square pegs, round holes style conversation that we're often forced into as recruiters, um, but actually being able to have 15 minute interactions with potential future candidates who are, you know, either on furlough, potentially looking for new steps later in the year or whatever. Having good quality conversations with them about what they actually want to do, and seeing if there's an, a, actually a, a genuine level of synergy there, rather than feeling as if we need to shove people into a funnel, as often times we do when things are things are moving quickly.
0: Something you, you mentioned uh, might be the other week when we messaged, but it was the TA recruitment community's response, uh, and I think very much that word community has yeah. shown itself. Um, what, what have you seen and, and what, what would you comment on that response um, just from your own experiences, from your, your conversations with fellow peers in, in the industry?
1: Yeah, I, I think you touched on this and I touched on it in my last comment about, about you know, organic conversations mm. taking place. And there's been a, a rush, I think, across the board for, for recruiting functions internally and agency side folks as well to, to add value. Um, and I think, it's been good and bad. I think there's been a lot of, of genuine plays of people wanting to help um, others who have been laid off, furloughed or otherwise. And I've seen a lot of activity, um, especially on the agency side of, of people offering free resume consultancies, conversations to, to broker introductions and networks, which has been wonderful. Um, but also, I think there's, there's a tendency to ambulance chase. At times like this and you see a lot of uh, a lot of activity and messaging that have been you know flashing red light covid oriented stuff that ultimately is a little bit sensationalist yeah and you can kind of see through that very very easily indeed and so i think it's it's going to be interesting to see where where the tea leaves fall and all this kind of starts to, to come towards somewhat of an end to see how we go back and what that <laughs> What that normal return is going to be, or and or what that new world that we're going to going to look into is going to is going to appear like?
0: It's obviously going to be directly correlated. I think you know, zoom out the economy and the economic recovery because yeah. because the way I see it at the moment, we've got this surplus candidate supply, right? because so many people have been furloughed or made redundant and and then also our job as recruiters as facilitators and coordinators there's a lot of um experienced people on the sidelines you know maybe some have been fortunate and and have been rehoused into into companies that are still continuing but i think then it all comes down to that demand um from the company's response or companies or industry's response to to this crisis and how quickly that rebounds but what yeah what what i don 't know uh, and and I, and I guess this comes into my, my next question, but what if you were an agency or even an independent recruiter what what should their response be because they do some of them are doing generally the right things, um, the c v uh, formatting and consulting, um, but there are those like you say that are using more the sensationalist. Uh, approach to this if you were in their position um, what, what would you be doing right now and based on the information that you know and the logical direction that things may be heading in. yeah
1: I mean I think it's it's a good time to continue to network as an agency side recruiter with in-house recruiting leaders with hiring managers with existing contact networks because calling a spade a spade everyone's a little bit quieter now there is yeah. more time during the waking day People to have 10-minute calls and catch-ups and intros. So I think from that networking standpoint, doubling down on on that side of things is certainly what I'd recommend to do. And then equally thinking about the community side of things with candidates and and pipelines and networks, whatever you want to call them, of of folks that you've engaged with as an agency recruiter from a candidate sense – Definitely now is the time to be really focusing on on strengthening those bonds and that relationships and getting to know more about your own personal talent community as a recruiter, being able to segment that, being able to really understand who's who and what's what, in order to, when you do get an opportunity to collaborate on a search with an in-house team or you know, whatever the, the commercial opportunity is for the agency side recruiter, you've got that key information to hand, and you are armed with the intel and the data about what is, as you say, going to be a really, really messy, messy, overcrowded market on the candidate side of things. So if agency recruiters can really present um, a hyper-relevant community of talent for a specific role or set of roles with a lot of of data and market intel um, associated with it, that's going to be the thing that I think is going to convince in-house folk that there is still value in having those agency relations yeah. and that and that so that. There's a couple of points there that I think would be, would be useful for agencies I folks to hear coming from me, obviously from the in-house world.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I think it's that evolution piece, isn't it? Right. I think certain agency models and, and I've been, um, you know, part of them in in the past, which is you're very much hands off. You're just literally brokering an introduction my knee-jerk response is that model no longer offers enough value. There needs to be that plus, and, and it's that plus which is the integration with the company, it's the value-add, yeah. it's, it's, it's maybe helping look around corners that you guys just haven't got the capacity to deal with because you've got a million things to do. Um, you, you spoke about this concept of a full-stack recruiting repertoire in your teams and it sounds like you've done a very good job of of building this already into your team um, right now. Would you explain to us what what you mean by that and what skill sets you're generally looking for uh, within this full stack um, repertoire?
1: Yeah I think it's an interesting one and you know I've been having a few conversations with with peers and friends of mine from the the talent space across in the US who have obviously been less fortunate than us in the UK and not having furlough schemes to fall back on and a lot of really great quality recruiting folks have just been flat out let go in the states. So I've been having a good few conversations with folks who've either had to make some tough decisions or have been on the receiving end of tough decisions. And a lot of the theme that we're talking about is is, that we have been talking about relates to this full stack recruiter nature and the fact that we're going to, I think, move further and further away from the quite siloed way. That in-house recruiting teams have been setting themselves up over the course of this past decade or so. And by that I mean looking at the the classic set of recruiting coordinator, sourcer, recruiter, recruiting team lead.
0: Yeah.
1: I think we're seeing now that there just isn't enough value that is seen from the kind of the, the board level or the the executive table looking downwards into a recruiting function of why should we keep recruiting coordinator X, source of Y, recruiter, you know, whatever. um, Why do they need to be three roles? Mm -hmm. How can we think about broadening the skill sets of, let's say, our recruiting coordinators, and rather than making them do a 18 to 24-month stint before graduating into a sourcing and or recruiting full-stack position, why can't we start building those skill sets and stop focusing so much on the administrative side recruiting coordinators role, for example, and start building up some more data-oriented capabilities or start really getting them involved in earlier stage interviewing and screening and understanding the true sense of what it is to be a great resume screener, for example, and or looking at hiring manager relationships, getting recruiting coordinators involved in those earlier. And ultimately, you know, I think when we start to recover from this pandemic crisis, you're going to find a lot of more senior recruiters who are more than happy to carry their own rec workload from an admin standpoint. People aren't going to be necessarily looking and or expecting a recruiting coordinator to support them on scheduling or otherwise. And so I think we're going to find smaller recruiting teams. Gone will be the days of having you know, a legion of different sorts of recruiting personnel across the spectrum. I think we're going to go into, an, uh, in, into a period where we're going to have some really great talented folks who are able to add value across the recruiting spectrum, not just on one of those siloed points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you know, as a kind of final point here, looking at the world of, of recruitment marketing, um, talent branding, that is, I still believe, you know, a, a separate function within the talent organization, but I still feel that we're going to come into a, a, a period of time where recruiters are going to be spending more and more of their waking hours, building out communities, working on branding strategy, thinking about how do we create a network for the business that is going to lead to a sustainable pipeline for X amount of months, years, decades ahead of time. There's some thoughts there about you know, how, how I think about the potential changes that larger recruiting teams are going to encounter, becoming more prudent and focusing on building out more of a full-stack skill set. I,
0: I really like that. And moving away from legions, perhaps, to, to more of a small unit of Navy SEALs, multi-talented, multi-disciplined. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you think then the... So, so there is still that separation between brand, employer branding um and core talent and and some of those skills so we mentioned the cv screening the coordination the business partnering there and 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 all of that but do you think generally a a ta there's there's going to be an increasing merger between marketing and growth principles much more data-driven analytical and injecting that within that ta function Are you seeing that as a trend
1: Absolutely, I I very much think so, and and I think, you know, for for many reasons, I think it's going to become even more important to have recruiting functions start to to build those skills and continue to upskill themselves. If you're thinking about transferable skills and value that one can add to a business when times are tough and there's not much net new talent acquisition activity happening, i.e., where we are now. Having a team that has got inbuilt skills on the, the commercial side of the house, being able to transition, even if it's just in a part time manner, across to assist on some marketing campaigns, some demand generation programs. That seems to me like a really strong plan for a business to be able to cover itself and not to have to make quite so many knee-jerk reactions when it comes to laying off talent acquisition functions in the future. If you've got those skills inbuilt that are ultimately transferable skills, very similar as you said, to what we see across on the commercial and marketing side of the house, then there's a great amount of synergy there and much more value that talent teams can add to a business when their bread and butter of, of brand new talent acquisition right here right now yeah. isn't, you know, isn't firing in all
0: cylinders. If, if, so, so, just a question from that, and, and I guess just to strip it back, and let's, let's imagine for a moment I'm an early stage, maybe pre seed or late seed um, founder, and I've not yet got that first talent leader in the business or, or even that full time, um, yeah, full stack recruiter. What, what would you do to start, and when is generally the right time? to start thinking about this as an early stage business that's maybe found some early product market fit, but they're still very much developing the product and they need to build out that team. What what would you do?
1: I think actually, first of all, it comes down as a founder to instilling a mindset into your existing staff. If you're looking at a late seed or mid seed stage business of maybe between 15 and 40 people, let's Mm. say for argument's sake, I think having this notion and this mantra that you repeat of hiring being a team sport is very, very important. And having you know, the ability there, even before you hire a part-time or a full-time talent person, people person, whatever that comes into the business, having all of your executive team, team leads, and indeed the, the direct reports of those team leads, understanding of their position within the organization as hiring folks and networkers, I think that's the key thing. It's very easy, I believe, for for earlier stage businesses to to just wait for talent to come to them, uh, and to to kind of complain because they don't have the resources to bring on a full time person. They can't afford agency fees. You know, they feel that platforms like hired are a bit too expensive for them. You hear it all the time. But if you start really empowering and incentivizing every single team member. To get out there and be proactive and have the tools to do so, um, I think that's a very powerful thing. But back to your more direct question, you know, I, I think late, late seed stage is a really good time to start thinking about someone who's going to be the coordinator and the facilitator of this mentality and be the point person, as well as lending the extra expertise to upskill the broader team, and of course carry a lot of the, the more complex workload themselves. Um, But I think that mentality is key to instill early and to ideally have that growing as part of the fiber of the business as you go through the A round, B round, and forever more, ultimately, you want hiring as a team sport being front and center of everyone's minds.
0: Yeah, I've seen many companies leave it much later than that. So it's really nice to hear that advice start kind of as soon as it makes sense to do so um, and start building the foundation of that function. Cause, cause I guess it's similar to when you start a sales, uh, in, 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 a, in a startup, when you start a sales function, there are, there are certainly comparables. Yeah. And I think it's that expectation or assumption that people are going to come to us because we're doing great, cool things, but it, it's that balance of proactive versus more of a marketing, uh, mindset. Like yeah. you need that balance of both. Um, we touched on at the start of the, the, the interview, um, I think you, you mentioned the a, a kind of a passing comment about tools and tech and vendors, and I think we're the whole market is probably quite wary or Jeff uh, <laughs> yeah, certainly fatigued by vendor overload and a yeah. product for every every day of the week. Um, what, what's your thoughts on the the vendor space within tech? Uh, sorry, within recruitment um, tech world and is there anything you've seen that, that maybe points towards like something that's truly promising and useful and, and, and invaluable towards your own stack?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I'm a little bit biased. Um, I, I spent a couple of years working for Beamery, um, which I believe is a really great, um, CRM oriented tool, more enterprise focused mm-hmm. rather than for the startup and scale up space. Uh, but I think the mentality of, of building communities and having an intelligent approach, to building networks and pipelines is something that is crucially important right now and you don't need an expensive tool to do it Um, but to answer your question directly I've actually been really quite impressed um, by Greenhouse's CRM function. Mm I brought Greenhouse into the cutover when I joined earlier this year Um, I've used Greenhouse for for several years prior but I've never actually used the CRM tool and we got a seat. thrown in for free um, with nice. part of our, our package for a year. And it's been really fantastic to be able to, as I said, to track some of these organic, lightweight conversations that we've got with passive candidates or folks that we're not able to find a home for right now and to start doing that more intelligently. I think for me, it's a, an ideal tool for for a scale-up company within kind of the 100 through probably 250, 300-person stage company to, to think about bringing in because you know if you don't have talent um acquisition activity happening right here right now in terms of roles to fill then you should be using that time wisely because you will be hiring again there will come brighter days when budget is is loosened up and when the need is there and what we don't want to do as a, as a you know as a talent acquisition industry from an in-house perspective, that is mm. to get to that point again, where it's like, Oh Christ, you know, we're back to pipeline zero and we've got all these wrecks to fill. Why didn't we do anything with the time that we had? Um, so I think for me, that greenhouse serum um, seat that I've got has been really, really great.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've heard good things. Um, I know if you, companies we work with are using it but i'm not sure if they've used the crm function so i have to point them yep. in, in the direction now i'm putting you on the spot a little bit here so i don't necessarily expect an answer but where do you see an opportunity in the recruitment tech vendor space that hasn't been met yet or even addressed
1: that is that is an on the spot question yeah right i mean i think i think it'd be you know, I think I'm going to continue that, that line of thought that I had on the CRM space. I think there's, there's a lot of very expensive CRM tooling out there. Um, and I think having, having a CRM platform that really suits a mid-sized company, mm. and by that I mean probably 500 to 2,500 people, with a talent acquisition team of somewhere between twenty-five and fifty folks, I think that's that's something that I feel is a gap in the market. Beamery, as I mentioned, does a great job uh, to cover the enterprise space. I know Gem are doing some really interesting stuff. Maybe a little bit down market of enterprise, but still, to my understanding of it, not ideal for that mid-market segment. Um, so I think there's a gap there for mm-hmm. for a company to come in and do a really cracking job at a at a much much lower price point than the aforementioned companies put on their their um their uh, their list prices. So yeah, that, that's pr- that's a bit of a loose answer, that I know, but I, oh, I'd I feel like that's a gap. But um, I, I could have very easily said chatbots because everyone says chatbots, don't they? But um. Yeah. I'm not uh, not not sure if uh, if that's necessarily where I want to hang my hat but I think that CRM space is something that I'm really interested in I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens within it over the course of this next 18 months
0: I think it brings it to what's practical like in in the majority of our processes in, in TA and and yeah it's certainly an intuitive uh, CRM makes a lot of sense if it yep. joins up some of those those processes um so i'm going to finish with a a, a quick fire round um so let's let's just go into it like they're, they're not uh, and answer so as concisely or as uh, in as much detail as you want Um quick fire is probably a little bit misleading yeah. so during this time in lockdown as frustrated as we have been you know you, you've not been in guatemala like you was this time last year um have you put a positive spin on this time and learned anything, made any observations, any new habits um, that you didn't have before?
1: I think it's it's kind of reigniting old habits. And I used to be an okay runner about 10 kilograms ago, I joke. And so <laughs> I, uh, I've, been, I've been getting out there in my mandated exercise slots and, and getting back out to get up to a half marathon distance i was going to do the hackney half marathon um, in two weekends time but obviously can't do that now but i'm still going to try and run the distance on the day and so that little bit of discipline and actually blocking off my calendar during the day is what i've been doing rather than as i would always do in the past get up at the crack of dawn to go running i'm actually feeling more empowered given that i'm not commuting work from home just to block an hour an hour and a half in the middle of the day and just say yeah i'm out running turn off slack can't reach me great um so that's something that I've, I've hopefully put a positive spin on it
0: yeah i like that and i hope that's something that continues segmenting off parts of your calendar yep. for you time or me time um a thread on learning is there any books podcasts blogs that you've uh, that, that you found value from recently
1: you know what i've, I've actually i've hilariously given up business books this year. I used yeah. to used to feel very pressured to read all the stuff. I had a couple of people, a couple of CEOs of mine in the past who would always be feeding me interesting business books for sure. But I got to a point this year where I just went solid. So I've gotten back into using my reading time for just escapist fiction. Yeah. And it's been great. So I'm currently reading I'm reading The the Goldfinch by Donna Tart. Um fantastic book about halfway through really really enjoying it um so yeah i'm I'm enjoying not pouring through business books that i boast about um because that's just a bad habit no one likes that
0: it's it's, it's a gripe of mine as well i think i I came through a certain point in my life where you feel so pressured like you say and it's this whole hustle culture and i think you know there's some merit there's some great ideas but i think like Grinding your way through book after book, I think just focus on what's practical, and and then use your time to you enjoy reading, enjoy what yep. you, or, or find what's uh, what's piquing your interest. Um, we, we we've covered that. I, I think is there are anyone in the industry that you um that you would recommend, or or, or any learnings like or how do I articulate this? Is there anyone else in the industry that you tend to follow, bounce ideas off? That you would recommend, maybe they've got blogs. Um, anyone that, that, that served you as a mentor that you'd like to give a shout out to?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good it's a good one. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people um, that that i'm lucky to have in my network that that i talk to regularly about stuff that's on my mind um i won't give any specific person a shout out um, but from a from a content perspective um i've actually you've been quite enjoying reading the um the blog posts that talentful have been putting out i think um i think there's been some really interesting content created on there over the past couple of months Um, and i kind of like obviously with talentful's model they can take a little bit of a higher level view and a lot of data from a bunch of different scale-ups and startups and larger enterprises as well and so you find quite a quite a decent amount of content coming through that and i've enjoyed reading it so i'll give them a shout out
0: excellent well thank you so much for your time alex where can people learn more about you and, and what you're doing at cutover
1: connect with me on linkedin alex jewel d-u-e-l-l there's not many jewels in the world so uh find me on there connect and uh, we would be happy to chat all things talent because as i say we've all got a bit more time on our hands nowadays so give yeah. us a buzz
0: well i'll drop the link in the, the description so people can uh, connect with you but again thank you so much and i look forward to catching up with you soon
1: my pleasure mate great to be a part of this thanks a lot cheers Alex. See you later. Okay. Bye.
0: So a huge thank you to Alex for joining me on the show today. If you would like to connect with Alex and learn more about what he and Cutover are working on, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile and to Cutover's website in the description below. Also, if you'd like to suggest speakers or themes for upcoming future work shows, feel free to contact me directly. You can find me on Twitter at Heia underscore Jonathan. That's Heia underscore Jonathan. And on the next show, we'll be joined by David Breer, CEO of 11FS, where we'll be talking about how teams and organizations can thrive even in these uncertain times through mindset, culture, the art of reinvention, and much, much more. You've been listening to Future Work. Until next time, take care.